You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode 134 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me is my good brother, good friend, and the gentleman that runs our Twitter page. That's right, Liam. Liam, welcome to the last weekend in November. Uh, hope you got your filling of delicious Thanksgiving food that we just celebrated <laughs> here in the U.S. But uh, very excited today to talk about a cartoon that uh, just celebrated its 28th year anniversary with you. Welcome to the DCAU uh, Review episode 134. Yeah, this is an exciting one. I think this is another one of those episodes where when people talk about the the top of top of top of the tops when uh when we we we've talked about it often that sort of our our origin story for doing this show was uh seeing all these different listings uh, around the time of the animated series 25th anniversary in 2017 and this episode certainly always ranked highly on a lot of other people's lists and uh definitely excited to get into talking about this week's episode which is entitled i am the night that's right. And as I just mentioned a moment ago, this episode originally aired on the Fox Kids Network on November the 9th, 1992. So that means we just passed the 28 year anniversary of this episode's original air date. So Liam, without further ado, let us bring in the official internet movie database synopsis for this week's episode. That's right. And this is for the episode I Am the Night, which is written by Michael Reeves directed by Boyd Kirkland, with music by Michael McQuistian, and animation by Sunrise. And that synopsis reads as such. Batman has serious doubts about his calling when Commissioner Gordon is seriously injured. A little bit of overuse of the word serious in that, but otherwise a pretty decent synopsis. Yeah, I would say the word serious, I would concur with you. The word serious seems to be a little bit overused there. Um it's it's a fine synopsis i give that like a a solid c yeah it's all right so we can we can jump into plot here so it is that it is part of the story here there's a sting operation going on uh the police gordon bullock and the returning uh gotham city swat team uh our, uh, (laughs) our, our favorites if you go all the way back to our very first episode we had quite a bit to say about the uh the GCPD uh, SWAT team, but uh, they're they're, they're all here. They're they're ready to uh, to set off this sting operation. Finally, catch this long-standing criminal called the Jazzman. Uh, but Gordon wants to wait for Batman, and we find out that Batman is, is ends up being a little bit late to the party uh, due to his yearly tradition of leaving roses in Crime Alley to commemorate the deaths of his parents uh, he also is uh, has to stop sort of a, a quick stick up where this young hoodlum is being held up by other thugs and uh, in the meantime by the time batman gets there and uh, they realize that it was a trap and that's basically a, a full-out street war at that point there's gangsters opening fire on the police the police are returning fire batman is able to catch the jazz man it looks like everything's good and the day has been saved but in the crossfire, the literal crossfire, uh, Jim Gordon, we have a, a, a literal officer down and we don't see any blood. We don't hear the words shot, but that is the implications of everything that Jim Gordon is shot in the line of duty here and is uh, on death's door for kind of the rest of the episode. Yeah. And there's some foreshadowing before we even get to that point, just that at the very, the opening scene is, uh, this pan down through the bat cave and Batman is sitting. And what I, what I made a note of is that it's, it's like a bat throne. It's like a throne made <laughs> out of the cave that he's carved into the cave walls, I guess. I, I don't know. Visually very interesting. Uh, we will get into a lot of visuals in just a little bit into our next category, but Batman is sort of sitting sort of slumped over in this chair and Alfred comes down to him and Batman is clearly extremely weary and Alfred is appealing for him to get some rest and that, I think he mentions uh, it's been several days since he he slept and Batman clearly is just drained 
Uh, he seems to be uh, what modern day uh, people would probably refer to as a bit emo, like in his feelings a little <laughs> bit, I would say. Master Bruce, are you all right, sir? I'm tired, Alfred. Well, I shouldn't wonder. You've taken no meals today. I can't recall when you last slept. A weary body can be dealt with. But a weary spirit, that's something else. Sometimes, old friend, I wonder if I'm really doing any good out there. How can you doubt it? The lives you've saved, the criminals you've brought to justice? I've put out a few fires, yes. Won a few battles. But the war goes on, Alfred. On and on. Um, he's he's feeling down. He's feeling beat down. Um, you know, he's looking at a new, the newspaper headline says that the Penguins conviction has been thrown out. And so he he starts sort of posing this uh, rhetorical question to Alfred. If if it's all worth it, is anything that he mm-hmm. that he does that he does with being Batman make a real difference. And that's going to be the thread that sort of follows him throughout this episode. So as you said, as after Gordon uh, is, is shot, as he said, although they don't specifically say it, they say that uh, he was injured and then they talk about the ballistics. I don't think they ever say, uh, say gun or, or maybe they don't say bullet. I think they just say the ballistics determined that it, the, it was fired from, the jazz man who this guy james jimmy peak is the guy that they set up this sting operation for that turns out he had a personal vendetta against jim gordon and uh, batman is the one that sort of fed the the police this information that this drug bust or this drug deal was going to go down that way they were going to be able to to bust uh, the jazz man and finally get get him taken away but it turns out uh this was a trap that batman had been fed some misinformation and as you said because he was memorializing the night that his parents died with these two roses in crime alley and meeting up with leslie Tompkins, and then his additional sort of uh, interaction with this this young uh this young guy named the wizard uh his he's delayed so he arrives later and then uh, he starts to blame himself after Jim takes the fall and uh, Harvey Bullock does, does him no favors either. Uh, also just sort of calling him out and, and uh, accusing him of giving him bad information and asking him why he wasn't there and sort of holding Batman solely responsible. You should have been there pointy ears. Then maybe Peak might've shot the right guy. I thought you were supposed to know what's shaking on the streets. How come you didn't tell us this was a setup? I didn't know. Yeah? In my book, that makes you just as responsible for him being here as the jazz man. Harvey, please, it wasn't his fault. Hey, where you going? This ain't over yet, outlaw! You hear me? You're going down for this! I ain't talking law! I'm talking you and me! Uh, Barbara Gordon is there. The returning Barbara Gordon uh, is at the hospital room. So we get her sort of trying to defend Batman a little bit and stick up for him. But Harvey uh, continues to just sort of yell at him. And uh, then we get one of maybe the most poignant scenes uh, throughout the entire series thus far. And uh, really highly emotional scenes where uh, Alfred has called in robin dick grayson uh home from college to to go down to the bat cave to talk to bruce because he said it's been several days and he can't get him to come out and um there's really maybe one of the best best scene for scene voice acting and we'll talk about that all later on but this interaction between bruce and dick in the bat cave where bruce continues to sort of echo this thread of is it all worth it yeah that's i I can't believe looking back that any of this made it to air. Like (laughs) this is such, you know, we talk about some of the sillier episodes, some of the very kid friendly topics. Sometimes we have just more straightforward adventure episodes uh, um, that sort of touch on these mature topics. This entire episode is centered around Batman having an existential crisis over whether or not his chosen profession is, is worth it. 
and the B plot is Commissioner Gordon got shot. Like, yeah. I can't believe any of this. I can't believe this episode got made. It's, especially if you read anything uh, with Bruce Tim or Eric Radomsky or Paul Dini talking about how strict standards and practices were with Fox Kids at that point. Um, I really can't believe this episode got made because it is so dark and delves so much into like depression and 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 feelings of of doubt and it's everyone's and obviously we have a sort of a happy ending at the end so to speak but we do have a redemption to it but i honestly can't believe just based on the subject matter that this episode made it made it to air and that's not to say it's not great because it is i'm just genuinely that was kind of my recurring thought watching it back was like wow i can't <laughs> believe this made it onto fox kids and on a weekday afternoon in 1992 yeah it's it's crazy to think and it, i can remember growing up i didn't love this episode this is one of those episodes we had it on tape at some point uh had mm-hmm. taped it off of, of fox kids at some point so i had seen it a lot uh but it was never one that I really appreciated. And why is that? Because there's not a lot of bright colors. There's not a super vil- main supervillain <laughs> that you know and, and recognize. It's got this made-for-this-script, nondescript gangster and Batman, like you said, having this crisis as to whether or not he acts, actually makes a difference in anything that he does. That's a very heavy, deep, like adult-themed uh, 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 for a children's cartoon so the fact that this wasn't one of my favorites like now it's like man i i totally understand why i didn't appreciate this when i was younger (laughs) because this is extremely way out of your your depth for for a normal children's cartoon (laughs) for sure for sure and i you know it's funny i think if you go all the way back to i think it's the third episode in production order nothing to fear like we've seen an episode before where Batman is sort of plagued by doubts, but in that episode one, it's, it's the result of magic. Basically it's this, you know, the fear toxin is what's giving him this doubts. And then, you know, Alfred kind of snaps him out of it pretty quickly. Whereas this whole episode, as you mentioned, it starts with him already kind of being down in the dumps and doubting himself. And then, uh, like the thing, I think the thing that's also most interesting is when Bullock is kind of reading him the riot act in the hospital room and telling him that like, you know, you're supposed to know what's going down on the streets. You're supposed to be this great detective. And how come you didn't let us know that we were walking into an ambush and Batman doesn't have an answer for him. He just said, I, I didn't, I didn't know. And, and, and Bullock says that makes you as culpable as the jazz man for what, what happened to Gordon. And Batman just kind of swings away because Bullock's not necessarily wrong in that case. And, and Batman's sort of plagued by his own fears and doubts because he sort of took this little bit of time for himself to honor his parents in crime alley and to deal with the, and you got sidetracked dealing with these thugs and, and giving this, this kid, the wizard uh, over to Leslie to, uh, to uh, hopefully try to set him straight. And because of that, he ends up being late, which leads to, you know, them getting the thugs, getting the drop on the police. So it's, it's a really interesting episode because it's not like the other times we've seen this topic sort of approached where we almost immediately go back him back off from that ledge. Whereas this episode is like so many layers to what, what Batman goes through in this episode. Yeah, it's it's very psychological, obviously. Um, you know, I joked about Batman being in his feelings a little bit, but it's, <laughs> it, it, he really it gives you it gives this extra layer to the Batman character. That's that where he feels this responsibility, like the weight of carrying and trying to defend an entire crime ridden, corrupt uh, city that not only deals with these madmen like the Joker or Two Face or you know your your more outlandish super villains, but you also then have this wave of of villainy and crime that is sort of the seedy underbelly and that sort of works hand in hand with the uh, with the city itself mm-hmm. and you know this this these warring mob bosses and so it's not it's it's all of that in addition to you know thinking about his other responsibilities for the people that he loves and that he cares about with alfred and 
and and dick and he talks about you know in this scene the scene with dick where dick comes to talk to him he talks about sort of the fear like he recognizes that he himself has taken this risk and is putting himself out there and he he won't have any regrets if you know should should somebody get over on him and end up killing him but his his deepest fear is somehow it you know letting somebody that's close to him down like commissioner gordon he also mentions alfred he mentions leslie and he mentions mentions dick himself and it's you know so to 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 humanize this batman and that's i think why we all love a lot of the you know superhero movies that we love the greatest mm-hmm. uh the greatest stories about superheroes that we love and go back to over and over and over again and look to and point to and say I love that story is so often because of the human aspect of taking this grandiose mm-hmm. idea of a superhero, you know, what we all imagine that we would want to be and bringing them down to our level and humanizing them and giving them the same feelings and thoughts that we can all identify with, with, you know, is what I'm doing on a daily basis really making a difference for anybody? That's very, yeah. it's a, it's a human thing. Like, that's what we all, like, I'll, I would say the majority, if if you haven't had that thought, then please talk to me because I'm, I'm curious <laughs> of how you've never had that thought of going Absolutely. through life and what, and is what I do with my life in any way impacting anyone for good. So for, for that to be put on this, in this cartoon form and this superhero that we idolize and look to and think is just the absolute coolest man, just what a great way to bring that, that character down to our level. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great point. I think, especially in uh, Batman, especially I think can be a character that as even though he's a, a normal human flesh and blood man, sometimes he can seem like the least relatable <laughs> of of all superheroes i think depending on who's writing him and as fun as those stories can be when he's the guy who has you know plans a through z and everything happens and even when it looks like he's captured actually it was part of his plan to be captured and he has the perfect gadget at the perfect time to thwart every villain he's ever fought and uh as fun as those stories can be to see it taken the other way and remind you that yes this man at the heart of it is this vow that he made as a child to be, to, you know, avenge his parents' death, to protect the innocent, punish the guilty. And in this case, he, after doing it for, for years by this point in the series, he's looking around and he, he talks about, you know, they, they sell t-shirts of me. They, they, we even see that as uh, the, the kid wizard is walking through the city. There's like a store that has a bunch of Batman merchandise on sale and uh, you know he talks about that like he's he's more he's more important as like a tourist destination, you know, come to Gotham and see Batman, and than he is as striking fear into the hearts of the guilty at this point. When all is said and done, how much good have I accomplished? They sell T-shirts of me. I've become a cliche, more good for the tourist trade than the streets. This city would fall apart without you. Maybe, maybe not. When you look too long into the abyss. The abyss looks back through you. Maybe it's time for Batman to return to the night that spawned him before anyone else gets hurt. Uh, to see that played off that, and then I think moving forward to see what brings him out of it in the end is uh, Dick kind of makes this one last plea to him, and it seems like he isn't getting through, but then he, he tells him, of everything that you taught me, the most important thing was always never to give up. And that's the moment that sort of finally breaks breaks Bruce out of it and gets him to suit up again and go on the hunt for the jazz man who has by then escaped prison. And that sort of leads us to our final little confrontation. Batman's able to, to stop the jazz man, even though uh, just before he shoots him, uh, before he sh- is able to finish the job with Gordon. And uh, that seems to be the end of the episode. But uh, again, as deep and dark as this episode took us it actually gives us i think one of the happiest endings of any batman episode we've covered to date uh which is he comes across this kid wizard uh i'm sure he has a real name but that's the only name we know him by. <laughs> um, 
in this episode and uh, who's, who's about seemingly about to get on a bus with a suitcase. Batman first accuses him of being up to his old tricks and stealing it. But in fact, he tells, tells Batman, no, I'm, I'm going back home uh, this time for whatever reason, uh, the, the message got through to him and, and from Batman and, and Leslie Tompkins help, this kid is is going to turn his life around and then go home and try to make a fresh start of things. And it's, to me, it's this great moment because again, it shows the dichotomy of Batman. Who's this, you know, this scary boogeyman to criminals. But in this case, he looked at that kid and thought this, there's still something like, let's give this kid a chance to turn his life around. And he did. And so in the end, Batman's faith is rewarded in, in, in sort of this restored humanity combined with, whether it's Dick Grayson giving him that speech to get him to put the suit back on, whether it's Gordon's words about being a hero or whether it's this random street kid that he had one interaction with telling him how he inspired him to turn his life around. Batman sort of does come to the realization that if, if for no other reason than that he's helped, helped this kid at the end of it, he, he can see a tangible example of him making someone's life better. So I, I love that we tack on that, that like very nice, happy ending of, you know, one, one man can make a difference. This is kind of almost Batman's it's a wonderful life, even though it's not a a dream sequence. Um, It kind of hits, hits that same message as uh, George Bailey at the end of that movie, realizing that this one man has impacted everyone and doesn't, he inspires Jim Gordon. He inspires Robin he, you know, he makes Alfred and Leslie proud of him. And he even inspired this one kid who he only had a brief interaction with. So I really love the way the story kind of gives us that uplifting ending after, after dragging us through the mud for the previous 21 minutes. Of it. <laughs> it's nice to have that, that little epilogue there. I think that's a great way to end it. Agreed. Yeah. I had kind of forgotten about that wrap up too. I thought we were sort of going to end on him leaving Jim's hospital room and I was, it was going to kind of be a little bit, bit of a downer for me. I mean, it it would have been sort of in, in step with a a lot of the way that some of these episodes just wrap up, but you're right. That sort of epilogue there kind of puts a nice little bow on it. I would say, yeah, looking at, at the, the characters that Batman clearly inspires, as you said, like, uh, Dick makes a point at saying that, you know, he's inspired him in this way and he holds on to this mantra. And uh, when Jim comes out of his coma, he makes it a point that he says that he wants to be a hero like Batman. Um, you know, so he, he clearly looks mm-hmm. up at Batman and, and uh, you know, before we went on the air, we briefly mentioned it, but I think there's even a little bit of a, a foreshadowing into this episode uh, from a minor character that also is looking up to Batman and sees Batman as sort of this inspiration uh that being barbara gordon absolutely yeah there's a couple little moments one is uh barbara sees batman in in gordon's gordon's hospital room right after he's first taken to the hospital and batman's beating himself up and you know talking about oh i should have been there sooner and and barbara's sort of reassuring him that no you you know you you did what you could and you, you caught the man who shot him and you've, you've done your part. And, you know, of course at that point, Batman doesn't really accept it, but then later there's this very brief scene. And I guess it's actually, now that we realize that it's our first interaction between Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon in the series. Um, But Dick is in, is at the hospital visiting, uh, visiting Barbara and, and commissioner Gordon. And she's talking about how, you know, this, this jazz man is, he's a, he's a madman and, he's out there and he's going to be coming after commissioner Gordon and someone's got to do something. And like when she, when she says that you see her fist kind of clench. And so, yeah, even there's even like little subtle strings being pulled uh, even though unlike say in heart of steel, when we first meet her, she isn't really a, a physical presence in this episode, just like in her dialogue, you can see that, yes, she's not only appreciative and inspired by Batman, but that, that, that inclination to if, which of course we'll later on see in, in shadow of the bat, but that, that inclination of someone's got to do something about this. And if no one else can do it, I will like that, that sort of inspiration and that drive that we come to come to see later on when, when Batgirl is finally introduced, it's, it's cool that they were kind of laying the, uh, the, the seeds for it. And I honestly didn't remember that at all in this episode. So that was very cool to see on a, on a rewatch. 
Absolutely. Yeah. That was a nice little pickup. It was funny that you and I both picked that up independently. So maybe, <laughs> maybe it wasn't that, uh, maybe, maybe it was a little more obvious than we, we thought, but, uh, yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was really interesting and, and certainly speaks to the level of, of it. So I guess, I guess, Liam, let's talk about scores here. Um, obviously I, I think, I think that just the idea of this story is really, really fascinating. It's, it's one of those episodes that probably could have won an award uh, as far as your storytelling going and just, you know, from start to finish, it, it takes and adds to the character. The character seems to, you know, characters from this episode seem to be different by the end of the episode. Uh, there's a transformation. We always look at that as something that's valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, do these characters grow? Is their character growth? Or is their character changed? Is there an impact left because of this story that is told? It's a great story, but so what? Like, did it mean anything? And clearly it does. Like, it, it clearly impacts Batman in a great way. It impacts Robin. It impacts uh, Barbara in a way. It impacts uh, the relationship between Bruce and and Jim Gordon even going deeper and, um yeah. So I, for all those reasons and, and just the impeccable storytelling from start to finish, uh, the little bow at the end with Batman getting, you know, seeing the reward for his his work here and seeing uh, a young man who for him to sort of have this transformation and for that one interaction with Batman to make this difference, uh, man, just great way to, to wrap things up. So for all those reasons, I gave this episode a perfect 10 out of 10. Nice. And, uh, I gave it the exact same score, another perfect 10 out of 10. All right, Liam. Well, let's move on to visual and animation. So um, which company did the animation for this week's episode? Sunrise. Oh. Or as we will get to, we, we have a little inside info on this. Sometimes when it the i think when the episode say sunrise it might also be a subsidiary of sunrise who was a little less experienced um but officially it is credited as the sunrise animation company who yeah they they did a few other episodes pretty poison being one uh heart of steel uh i knew this looked like heart of steel yeah the Clock King, uh, an episode we will be talking about soon called Off Balance, and another episode we'll be talking about probably sometime next year, uh, that being The Man Who Killed Batman. So not a ton of episodes under their belt, but I think they were kind of a subsidiary studio that was used when, say, your TMSs or Cocos were a little, were a little wrapped up. Yeah. So uh, I will say there's a lot of... There's a lot of interesting visuals in this. <laughs> to me, this this looked like uh, I don't know, like it's a lot of the the close ups. There's a lot of close ups of Batman's face. There's a lot of like his eyes in his cowl look like a 1970s Batman comic drawing. Like they have these little like twinges towards the end of them there's a lot more detail in batman's face there's a lot more expression uh people's eyes look a little bit more i would say eastern animation uh than than typical uh, a little more anime than than a normal batman the animated series uh, product uh there's there's a lot there's a lot that i don't love about this unfortunately visually what about you yeah, I think it's a little bit inconsistent. Um, we've talked about this before, depending on the animation studio or the director or the storyboard artist, there can be sort of alternate varying versions of Batman. Uh, the Batman design in particular, which sticks out to me today, you know, uh, longer ears or a kind of a more square and lo- a drawn out jaw or, you know, the cowl nose sort of drooping down, that kind of stuff. Uh, this one is like pretty darn inconsistent uh, as far as as far as a Batman design. He like in some scenes, he has a very square jaw. Some scenes he has a little bit of a longer, more angular look to him. Sometimes his ears look a little bit longer, a little bit shorter. The bat symbol seems to kind of change size a little bit. Oh, that was that um, got on my nerves the entire episode. It was it was big, then it was small, then it was super tiny, and then it was super big, then it was super tiny again. 
yeah so it's it yeah i think that would just be my my note on it's not bad in the same way that say an episode we talked about with the the Acom production company which is generally animation is very stiff and rigid and people will be super off model this one i would say is just more inconsistent and uh and because so much of this episode is spent with batman uh you kind of need it's more noticeable i think because we don't it, it doesn't really get we have these little sort of cutaways to the hospital room or the jazz man in prison and then we cut back to the cave where batman's still standing there and even from you know those quick cuts he'll his his jawline will have changed a little bit or the costume will look a little bit different uh it's not to say there are no highlights. I think uh, the shot near the end uh, actually feels like it could have been right out of uh, one of the Zack Snyder uh, DC films as uh, the jazz man pulls a gun and is about to fire on him. Barbara is jumping in the way of her father in the hospital bed to try to shield him. We see Batman reach down to his belt, pull out a shuriken and throw it. And we sort of follow it along the way. And then it lands in the right in the, the barrel of the gun and the gun explodes and in, in his hand, like I thought that was pretty impressive. And there's some, there's some cool shots of Batman swinging throughout the city, but yeah, I guess inconsistent would be my, would be my <laughs> grade for this episode. Yeah. I, I, I don't disagree with you. And I, and I said that I, there's a lot that I don't love about this episode. I, that's not to say that I hated it again. This isn't, this isn't on the level of maybe some of the animation from last week that we talked about, or mm-hmm. we always go back to cat scratch fever is just <laughs> the bottom of the barrel when it comes to animation, I think for Batman, the animated series episodes. So it's, it's not on that level by any means. I, I think visually you're right it's very inconsistent i think that there i think there's a lot of stiffness in the characters also there's a couple shots of batman when they are going through the uh the uh, sting operation to try and catch the jazz man in the first scene where he swings up onto a building and you should really have some hashtag cape movement going on there and there's a little bit of it but <laughs> the cape cape seems a little stiffer than it should be uh, there's, uh, you know, he's running along the side of the building, which is an interesting visual hanging on this rope, sort of running alongside throwing gas bombs in the windows. I, I liked that, but I felt like he looked a little bit stiff. There are a lot of up close, like headshots, which I wonder if they were just so uncomfortable or whoever storyboarded this was careful not to give them if this was one of the, you know, one of the few times or they knew that it was going to this animation company, they didn't want to give them anything too complicated because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of, to me, a lot of face shots, a lot of, uh, and these characters, they just look a little bit off model. The scene where Dick and, and Bruce are in, in Bruce's study and he's trying to, you know, Dick is trying to give him this pep talk, uh, before walking away from him and 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 uh, deciding he's gonna you know he'll take on the responsibility of stopping the jazz man uh, there's you know Bruce is sitting at the desk and there's sort of like a weird upward angle and his chin he looks like fat like there's there's no no he, <laughs> he looks like Bruce Bruce took the took his depression and his like his anxiety over those last couple days and just did nothing but eat <laughs> um, he's looking pretty thick thick in those those scenes and it just it was just it's just not consistent with what we've seen as far as character modeling is concerned so uh, I, I would would definitely agree with that um, I'm trying to to put a finger on character model wise who the jazz man resembled um i the only person i could think of and maybe this also has to do with the voice acting performance was a little bit of like a a ronald reagan-esque look he's got like those high cheekbones and mm. like a the, maybe a the hairstyle i i don't know i, I couldn't pull it. It, it to me it's one of those guys it's like this guy is supposed to look like a guy but I couldn't find anything in doing research or anything like that of anybody saying, yeah, this, this guy is modeled after this, you know, this particular actor. So that was the only thing that I could think of was like a Ronald Reagan esque type. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can see that when you say, especially, yeah, he has very high cheekbones and kind of the same hairstyle. And as we, as you mentioned, kind of a, a little bit higher raspier voice. Um, I, I, the only other thing I can think to compare him to, he's a little bit looks a little bit like the spider-man villain hammerhead i think <laughs> yeah um 
I mean, maybe that's just because he's a gangster with a flat top, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, that was kind of the only other visual uh, thought I had on, on his design, but yeah, it definitely feels like it's a very specific design. Yeah. Um, I so think- it, I, I think uh, there are a couple characters here, by the way, that uh, make their return. We have uh, Judge Vargas, who, of mm-hmm. course, uh, we recall, uh, was in what? Uh, the Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne. Oh, that's right. I wanted to say Eternal Youth for some reason, but no, you're right. Strange <laughs> Secret of Bruce Wayne. Uh, she was Dollar in the jar. That's right. Dollar in the bad episode jar uh, for Eternal Youth. Uh, Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne. Of course, she was blackmailed by Hugo Strange in that episode. So she mm-hmm. makes a return in this and is sort of responsible for allowing the jazz man to escape by uh, making him go to, to Stonegate instead of uh, instead of Gotham City the Gotham city jail. Cause Gotham city jail is full at this time, apparently. <laughs> um, sorry guys, we're out of room. Uh, and then of course we also mentioned, of course, Barbara Gordon's return as well. Uh, and we also have spider Conway, Liam making a, that's right. If you, if you know who spider Conway is, you definitely <laughs> listened to this podcast for several episodes. That's right. Uh, from the episode vendetta, he's one of, crocs uh, men who i guess turn turns stool pigeon and and gets croc sent to jail uh as part of that 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 long episode of a uh, bull of bullock trying to figure out who's sort of out to get him and and yeah there's this 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 very goofy sort of shifty wormy looking guy named spider conway in that episode and they don't name him in this episode but he looks exactly like him if you look at the the characters from each episode so we can, we can assume it's, it's supposed to be him. And then, uh, and uh, yeah, so there's, there's some fun little, fun little nods in there. This is more of a audio Easter egg, but they do uh, mention at one point that the hospital is at the corner of Adams and O'Neill, which uh, obviously a, a nod to uh, Denny O'Neill and uh, Neil Adams, the, uh, the great uh, Batman team of the, uh, the seventies and early eighties. So yeah, uh, cool. To, cool. To get that shout out in there as well. So yeah, I guess we can get into our scores for visual. I, I went back and forth. Cause like I said, I do think there are some, some good stuff in it and the general broody atmosphere is, is done well. The shadow work is good, but I couldn't go any higher than a six out of 10, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I went just a tick higher. I went seven out of 10. And I think the two reasons are, um, one being the shot of Jim Gordon laid out after he shot. I think it's just mm. visually, it's so shocking. And it's something that we already mentioned. Again, they don't show blood. They don't show any, they don't show a bullet hole. You don't hear a shot happening, but Batman's reaction to seeing Jim laid out on the ground, clearly injured, you don't know, is he dead? (laughs) You know, did they kill Jim Gordon in this scene? And Mm. that also going with uh, Robert Costanzo's Harvey Bullock exclaiming, oh my God, uh, as he's laying there, it's just, it just perfect. Like a really great visual there. That and also the the aforementioned, the aforementioned slow-mo gun gun scene where batman has to throw the the bat throwing star to to stop the gun from from killing him and it's done in slow-mo and you follow follow batman's weapon all the way to the barrel of the gun and then yeah just done really really well very cinematic uh the slow motion reaction of barbara trying to jump in front of again more foreshadowing here willing to to put herself in harm's way to Mm -hmm. protect her dad uh really done really really well so uh that's why i ended up giving it a seven out of ten i really wish another scene that we didn't even talk about it is walking when he when dick and and batman are walking together through the bat cave and batman comes to this cliff and he throws his he takes his mask off and he throws mm-hmm. his mask down and uh just before that there was there's this scene where after batman returns from uh, Gordon being shot he's he's just standing at this at this table you know this chemistry table basically with all these chemicals and he just throws he just starts tipping over tables and throws this one table off of a, a ledge and and just screams into the sky with this just this anger and anguish uh mm-hmm. done really really well really really great but again yeah, the inconsistency kind of brought the points down a little bit for sure All right, Liam, let's move on to music here. And I believe music this week was done by Michael McQuestion. Correct. And I have to say, 
I thought Mr. McQuistion didn't join us until Superman, so it was uh, uh, exciting to see his name pop up this early in the in the run of these DCAU cartoons, and I think he does a great job. Yeah, there's uh, right off the bat, there's sort of a theme that plays. It plays right off the, you know, as the title card shows up, and then that continues all the way through the scene with Leslie and and Batman, and then plays plays after after Gordon. Uh, is shot also so there's a there's a theme that plays throughout and it's not necessarily one that's super catchy but definitely uh, plays into the into the the moments that are happening there i think that there's some great music during the actual the police sting as the police the SWAT team shows up and they're making their moves and they bring in this this uh, battering ram to try and break down the wall wall and uh, and, and uh, to, to do this drug bust and um, so there's music throughout I think that really that really plays into it there's not a lot of the triumphant Batman theme that we're used to but that's I think because we deal with this sort of underlying doubt but it comes in when it when you expect it to for sure i think this is a good example of holding back we we've talked about this several times there's very rarely music in the bat cave and there actually is some this week um both when he is tipping over those those tables as you mentioned and when when dick first walks down to the cave he's kind of just calling out to him and then we see Batman sort of lurch into into frame and he puts his hand on the wall to steady himself. We get like this depressing, somber version of, of Shirley Walker's Batman theme to play. Um, and I thought their use of music and their ability to kind of back off, we talk about the importance of that sometimes. Uh, I thought music was used pretty expertly in this episode from, uh, again, the sort of dramatic music during that slow motion sequence at the end. Um, as Batman is, is sort of swinging away after having the conversation with with the with the kid with Wizard at the end of the episode, we, we again hear the, the Shirley Walker theme, and of course played much more heroic and triumphant at that point. So I was I thought the the utilization of music and the knowing of when to sort of back off of the music and when to bring it back was was really on on display here, just really brilliantly done. Yeah, I agree. I think for those reasons, I, I really liked music this week. I don't think that there's necessarily like a standout. For some reason, I thought in my head that this was an episode where they relied on like jazz music. I'm thinking of like the music mm-hmm. from Bullet for Bullock, just because mm-hmm. the jazz man was the was the <laughs> villain, and that that wasn't the case as much as I as much as I had remembered it. So uh, there isn't mm-hmm. anything I think that necessarily defines this as an episode that's a memorable soundtrack, but the music works for what it needed to do so because of that i ended up giving it an eight out of ten yeah i'm I'm right there with you i gave it a nine out of ten like i said i just i think the usage was was done so fantastically and uh the the last moment i think i can mention here is as as dick sort of tells tries to get bruce back and again we mentioned he he says "You you told me to never give up and then he says fine i'll go after him and we see Robin suiting up and then we see the hand on the shoulder and, 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 and Batman says, this is my hunt. And then it sort of cuts to him, Batman's back and he's swinging through the city. And we again get the, 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 the Batman theme played as, as the music uh, begins to build there. It's, it's really well done. Um, so yeah, for, for all those reasons, I just think it's, it's again, not, not your, your, your hummable theme in the way that some episodes have, but, uh, still uh still very memorable and still just excellent utilization of music oh hands down absolutely all right liam let's move on to our final category for the day and that is going to be voice acting uh man we have some really really great work here today uh but i know we have a, a large voice cast including a couple of uh, recognizable voices here uh maybe making their animation debut who do we have to talk about today for voice cast Absolutely. So uh, first one I will mention, as we've talked about him quite a bit, this character, Wizard, uh, voiced by one, Seth Green, (laughs) who, of course, folks would know as Nelson Nash from Batman Beyond and nothing else. (laughs) Uh, No, of course, the star of Robot Chicken and Family Guy and Austin Powers and uh, and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, this would have been pretty, uh, pretty early on in his career. So it's uh, it's cool to the 
cool when you see that sort of random uh cool cool uh voice pop up there it was it was cool to see that very recognizable i mean he didn't have a lot to do but very recognizable voice obviously and and uh he does a good job agreed uh, and then we have some returning names as you mentioned we have carmen zapata returning as judge vargas briefly we have uh diana Mulder returning as leslie who uh, she's she's good i think she has such a you know a, a sort of grandmotherly tone to her voice and when in those the sort of brief scenes when she's talking to to batman she, uh she mentions you're, you're even quieter than usual and you can there's just such a like a familiar familial maternal tone to it that you totally believe that this is a woman that's known him since he was in diapers you know yeah for sure yeah she has not a lot to do but she's she's fine mm-hmm. uh we have of course bob hastings as commissioner gordon who doesn't get to do a lot but uh he does uh i think that that little scene at the end there when he's talking when he wakes up from his coma and is, is telling telling batman that you know you've you've i've got to we've, we've got to keep fighting i and i i always wanted to be a hero I, if i was younger maybe i could have been like you and and batman sort of reassures him in that moment that he is a hero i think i think he's very good there freeze jimmy barbara dad you're all right the bus went down okay yes get some rest now gotta keep fighting never stop what i try to live by Maybe if I'd been younger, could have been like you. Always wanted to be a hero. You are a hero, Jim. Um, we have Ephraim Zimbalis Jr., of course, as Alfred. Another a minor role for him, but I think that that opening scene in the cave and then uh, the sort of brief interaction he has with Dick where he's, he's sort of panicked and, and concerned that it's been it's been a few days and and batman hasn't come out of the cave uh i think i think he does a great job we have uh playing the jazz man as as mentioned is a, a guy who has done so many voices <laughs> in the dcau and just in general it's it's almost ridiculous but uh we have brian george uh voicing him he, he's done a lot of minor roles in, in, in justice league and static shock and in Batman and Superman. He also uh, went on to voice the parasite when they uh, had to recast for justice league. So uh, a, a name that comes up fairly often. He, like you said, a minor role and seemingly maybe doing a bit of a Ronald Reagan impression, or maybe that's just a coincidence, but uh, definitely uh, I think he does a good job. And in, again, it's not a lot is asked of him because he's kind of just there to be kind of a, your generic slimy mob guy. Yeah, he he's fine, and and again, I don't. He could just be doing generic like <laughs> mobster '30s mobster or something like that. Uh, but to me, I, yeah, I think with the visual, maybe he was just doing a, a like you can hear a little bit of Reagan. I think in his in his impersonation there, that raspiness. Uh, I I think this voice is unique enough. You know, it, you know, not knowing, not being able to pick him out and say, oh yeah, that's he, that's clearly the guy that did this voice in another episode that's that's good enough for me i think he he plays the slimy sort of mob boss out for revenge pretty well yes and we have from there we have the returning melissa gilbert as barbara gordon of course um again a minor role but like we've talked about there's a good little bit of foreshadowing of of her future in the dcau i think she does a, a solid job being the the concerned daughter um and then I will say before we get to our, our kind of the two main players that I think we want to talk about, I will just say, I think Robert Costanza as Bullock is great in this episode. This might be my favorite episode of his so far. Yeah. It's funny because it's a completely different, it's a diff. it's he's playing the same character and he's doing the same thing that he does in most of the other episodes. And that's being a great foil to Batman and somebody mm-hmm. that doesn't trust who this Batman character is and, you know, doesn't, thinks that he's stepping on on you know the toes of the police department and that he sort of he respects gordon enough to to not not come out and say that he doesn't think that they should be working with him but it's very obvious in the way that he 
that he talks and the way that he carries himself, that he doesn't like Batman, that he doesn't want to work with Batman, that he doesn't really see him that much differently than he does the criminals that he's supposed to be fighting. So for him to be able to do that same character and those same sort of have those same sort of lines, but the heaviness of it because of the situation of what occurs in this episode Mm -hmm it's the same it, i think it's the same performance he generally does but there's an edge to it because because of the storyline and he's able to give he give that edge a little bit more i think in this episode that scene the scene where he screams at him and he tells him that he's holding him as responsible as he does the jazz man is just it's super emotional and really shows the depth and the ability that uh, Mr. Costanzo had and, and the ability to kind of bring out of this character that's sometimes just used for the butt of a joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really great, great way to lay it out is yes, this is, this is not new ground necessarily for him and Batman to be at odds, but it feels so much more personal and visceral and angry when, uh, because of what's happened to Gordon and, yeah, I just thought he did a great job in that scene. And then we'll we'll talk about sort of our 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 last two, our Batman and Robin, of course. Uh, Lauren Lester as Robin, who I think is fantastic, and his scenes with, of course, the legend, the greatest of all time, Kevin Conroy. Um, they're them together. Uh, Kevin Conroy's great throughout this episode, but the two scenes, the scene in the cave where Batman's uh, opining about being a cliche and wondering if he's doing any good. And then the scene in the study, uh, I think Lauren Lester and Kevin Conroy together in this episode are so great. Bruce? Bruce, if you stay down here much longer, you'll be growing mushrooms in your armpits. I should have been there. You can't be everywhere. I let him down. You're being too hard on yourself. He's a friend. More than a friend. Jim Gordon's the same age my father would have been if he hadn't. Now he's hanging by a thread. If I'd gotten there five minutes sooner. You're only human. You do all one man can do. More than any man's expected to do. I chose this life. I used the night. I became the night. Sooner or later, I'll go down. It might be the Joker, or Two-Face, or just some punk who gets lucky. My decision. No regrets. But I can't let anyone else pay for my mistakes. Jim Gordon's a cop, Bruce. He knows the risks. How long before I let someone else I care about down? Leslie. Alfred. You. Yeah, there's a great dynamic and a great chemistry that I don't think we've yet witnessed or had maybe witnessed a little bit in Robin's reckoning and some of their mm-hmm. some of their interactions there. But Robin gets a quip right at the beginning of their interaction, but everything after that is straight up just dialogue between the two of them as two adult men as opposed to like a sidekick and a superhero. And it's really, really, really strong. Uh, This is definitely, I think the best work that we've had from, from Lauren Lester throughout this series that we've covered thus far. We've been somewhat critical of him in different episodes and different times. Um, I think this is, this is leaps and, and bounds above where he's been in most of the episodes with the exception of maybe Robin's reckoning and the chemistry that they have, uh, in those interactions and the two two main interactions that they have in the cave and then in, in Bruce's study are, are, are so strong and some of the strongest I think we've seen between the two through, so, thus far. You've got to pull yourself out of this, Bruce. The jazz man broke out of Stonegate. He's gone to ground somewhere in Gotham. You know he'll find a way to get to Gordon. Okay, then I'm going after him. You taught me everything I know about crime fighting, Bruce, but the most important lesson was to never give up. Yeah, I think that's a great point you mentioned because, yeah, he does. He has the joke about, you know, Batman growing mushrooms or whatever if he stays down in the cave too long. And then sort of once he sees Batman and sees the state he's in, it is 100% serious from then on. He's appealing to him, telling him, you know, you, you do all you can. You do more than anyone could be expected to do. 
the city would fall apart without you. Like you, he's, he's saying all the right things. It's, it comes at it as this sort of, uh, you know, depending on the, the day, it could be sort of a brotherly relationship that they have, or it can be more of a father son relationship. Uh, in this moment, it's, it's Batman being the one down and, and, and Dick sort of being the one that pulls him out of it in the end there. And, and as we said, and I think that if you look at that line just on paper, it's, it's a very, you know, kids cartoon line about the most important thing you taught me about crime fighting is never giving up. And if you give that to a lot of actors or, or a lot of different or other cartoons that might've come off very hokey and, and silly and, um, for the way he delivers it with the, the gravitas and the, the seriousness given to that line, it's totally believable that that could be the thing, the one perfect thing to say that would, that would break, that would break Batman out of his funk. And then again, as we, we see the hand placed on the shoulder and we hear, this is my hunt and, and Batman hands back for the rest, for the rest of the episode. And, um, uh, it's, it's so great. And yeah, I, I love i love the dichotomy the way what that says about bruce and dick's relationship in this series as well as the in this case the specific voice performances from lauren lester and kevin conroy are just magnificent and so for all those reasons for all the great work in this episode i didn't feel i had any choice but to give this a perfect 10 out of the 10 yeah uh i would be hard pressed to figure out a better episode voice cast wise either and performance wise from kevin conroy uh, he's just so great. I think every every little bit that he has, and he has so much to do with different characters, and uh, mm-hmm. he he really comes off as a sympathetic character. I mean, his interaction he has an interaction with Alfred at the beginning, and then he has this interaction with Leslie. He has this interaction with this wizard kid. He has an interaction with Bullock. He has this interact like he interacts with each and every character in this story, with the exception mm-hmm. of, of the jazz man verbally, at least. Um, but it's, it's, it's just, it's, this is one where if you want to tell people, it's like, why do people, when they talk about the best Batman of all time, why do they always say, well, Kevin Conroy is, is, is always, is always the best Batman. Well, he didn't play Batman. Actually he did go, go watch this episode. This is perfect. uh, A perfect example. Exhibit a in a performance from Kevin Conroy that just shows the depth, the ability that he was able to give this character really feeling the struggle and this, like you, you, you called it this existential crisis that he's having about Batman being is Batman more than just a, a commercialization, you know, an item that's been commercialized, you know, mm-hmm. is it, is he really making a difference? Uh, so yeah, it it's, it's perfect. The voice cast did an incredible job. Uh, Andrea Romano getting just incredible performances out of mm-hmm. each and every character or each and every voice actor this week. So yeah, yeah. Really strong. Yeah. I'm going to guess this was also the only uh, cartoon on Fox kids at the time that had a Nietzsche quote in it. <laughs> there's a couple of different, different times that they allude, uh, allude to, to different quotes. I think there's one, uh, the one where he talks about staring into the abyss as well. Right. Yeah, that's that's the the Friedrich Nietzsche quote, and then okay. this, there's the quote about a you know a fanatic is someone who redoubles redoubles his efforts even when when you know the the war is unwinnable or, or something like that. Yep. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of uh, philosophy thrown into this episode as well. Um, again, I'm, I'm guessing I'm guessing the Tick or Life with Louis weren't uh, <laughs> weren't quoting Friedrich Nietzsche very often, so. <laughs> That's another uh, feather in the cap of this episode. I, I would say that would be fair. Yes. Yes, absolutely. All right, Liam. Well, I think it's time to... Whoa! Oh, we know what that sound means. Yeah, we haven't heard it in a little while, but here it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is, in fact, the bonus point sound. And I am dusting it off to give a special shout-out to one specific line of dialogue. Uh, which is what I would call what we have called in the past, a retroactive Easter egg. Yeah. And that is when Batman is talking to Dick Grayson, you mentioned it um, where he's talking about how he, he will have no regrets no matter what happens. Uh, One day he will go down. 
but it's his war. It was his choice and he's okay with it. But when he's, he's listing off sort of scenarios in his head of how this all ends for him, he mentions it might be the Joker or Two-Face or just some punk who gets lucky. And if we turn the dial forward to the future, uh, we will, in fact, arrive at the episode Rebirth Part 1. And if you watch the prologue of that episode, we see Bruce Wayne's final night as Batman, where he is saving a hostage. He seems to have things in hand, begins to have heart trouble, and some punk gets lucky and begins to beat him down with a wrench to the point where his only recourse is to pull a gun to save his own life. Mm. And that leads to him hanging, putting the cowl and, and the suit into that case and uttering the words never again. And so in fact, it was just some punk who got lucky who ended the career of Batman. Mm. Poetic. That's so great. It gives me chills, man. Like when I, <laughs> when I thought about that and when I heard that line and then I, I thought about the end of the end, we, we see the end of Batman um, and sort of where, where we know this Bruce Wayne character ends up one day, which is, you know, an old man alone in a house with a dog and nobody else. Mm-hmm. Like that's a really powerful line when he's talking about how this, you know, his choice, his decision, no regrets. Um, it's really, really powerful stuff, but to have that exact line thrown in there and then to have it sort of be retroactively prophetic in what actually does happen to this version of Batman on his final night as Batman, uh, just unbelievable. And I thought it deserved an extra little shout out there. Yeah. When you pulled this up and you, uh, if you follow us on social media, which if you don't go do so now at DCAU reveal, uh, Liam did tweet that out earlier this week. And when he, he did my mind, I just had one of the, 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 the gif of the guy with the mind blow, like the, <laughs> the guy with the Tim uh, and Eric or whatever that is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. His, his mind being blown thing, like just that going over and over and over. It's like, Holy cow. Like that is, that's one of those things like it, yeah who who would have thunk that that's how they they would have paid that off and i wonder how many people have made that connection that like hey this ultimately is like how it ends up being being paid off really really done really really well so yeah totally agree definitely worth a uh, a bonus point there uh all right liam well let's total up our scores here and uh totaling up my scores i end up with a very strong 35 out of 40 what about you and with my bonus point i end up just one notch higher that being a 36 out of 40 all right 36 out of 40 love it um just shy of our top picks Mm -hmm. um all right with that being said rewatchability i don't i think this is going to be a short one i'd say this is a yes yeah i think this is a must watch um even despite the the finicky animation kind of bringing it down a little bit uh the story uh the music and of course the the voice acting from everyone but especially from from kevin conroy and lauren lester in this episode uh to me it makes it it's it's everything like we've talked about the characters are in a different place than they were at the beginning of the episode it feels important to understanding what keeps this version of batman going Mm -hmm. um and to have an episode again in the middle of a, you know, this wacky adventure with the Riddler we had last week or some of the sillier episodes too, in the middle of it all, just have this one episode where he's just completely torn down and, and mentally exhausted and sort of examine that and see what in, in the end gives him the resolve to keep going on. I think this is a, a two thumbs up uh, undoubtedly for rewatchability. All right, Liam. Uh, Well, that will begin to wrap us up for this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget, if you have not checked it out already, yesterday we dropped a bonus episode wrapping up our DC Direct Retrospective, a Black Friday special. You will not want to miss that. We are talking all about the Batman and 
the animated series, the new Batman adventures, Superman, the animated series, Batman beyond and justice league figures from that's right. The entire DCAU collection from DC collectibles and DC direct. So you will not want to miss that. If you haven't, it's on the podcast feed, go check it out. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, Apple, Google, and Spotify. Uh, we're all on there. iHeartRadio as well. Don't forget, leave us a five-star review if you can. Uh, that'll help people to uh, get more ears on the podcast. You can actually leave multiple reviews. So if, even if you've left one before, uh, if you feel like leaving another one, uh, that would help us out greatly. Don't forget, it's also the holiday season. If you want to support the podcast, you can check out our store. There's a link at the top of our page on our website at dcaureview.com. So you can check that out. Liam, we are drawing, as we mentioned, this is the end of November, which typically means we turn the calendar page and we turn to a new series, but we are going into overtime with Batman, the animated series, because we have a very special episode next week. And uh, for the second time this month and only the third time ever, we are inviting a special guest correspondent to join us for next week's review let's preview that absolutely so yes we will be staying in batman the animated series for one extra week with the very next episode in the production order that being the episode off balance a lot of important stuff happening in that episode the first appearance of talia and rachel ghoul as well as the uh league of assassins um but most importantly, Cal, we are not reviewing that episode alone. We, in fact, will have the director of that very episode, Mr. Kevin Altieri, the legend, joining us to not just talk with us about the episode, he will review it and give his own scores as our special correspondent next week when we review Off Balance. Very excited about that. It's going to be a great time. Uh, I'm sure he'll be able to give us some background information. We'll get to pick his brain about some of his memories about directing this episode. Uh, of course, he directed a whole slew of episodes, but being able to sort of sync things up so that he's able to come on and talk about this episode as we review these episodes in order was, uh, was just perfectly timed. So we are very excited to welcome him next week. So you are not going to want to miss that. Don't forget to follow us on social media at DCAU Review on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to tune into next week. But until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye bye. <laughs>